You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. Now this is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Sometimes great albums get overlooked, lost in the shuffle, or they're so far under the radar, you never get to hear them. We call those buried treasures. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We bring you some recent albums that deserve your attention. And New Yorker music critic Alex Ross talks with us about music's role in torture and warfare. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and Greg, it's been too long since we did one of these Buried Treasures shows. We love them. It's music that we've been discovering and digging and living with and we're excited about, but nobody else seems to be talking about it. We live to share it with our listeners on Sound Opinions. You're going to kick us off. Give me a Buried Treasure. Well, Jim, uh, the definition of buried treasure can vary, I think. Uh, when we talk about that term, buried treasures, I think people often associate it with younger artists or unknown artists. But I also think it applies to uh, veteran artists who have been uh, unjustly overlooked for many years. And I think this next artist qualifies. I'm talking about William Bell. Mm. He was one of the original artists on the Stax record label in Memphis in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, he is now 77 years old. Wow. And he just put out a heck of an album. I think when, pe- when you mention the name William Bell to people right now, he, he doesn't have nearly uh, the name recognition that the great Stax artists of that era had, you know, whether it's Booker T. Jones, his, his friend, actually, Otis Redding, mm. people like that, the staple singers. William is sort of below the radar, but he was one of the originals there. He was a very versatile, uh, not only songwriter and uh, arranger and musician, but a great singer uh, in that uh, stable of great artists. His first major hit, people probably know the song more than they know the writer, uh, was you don't miss your water till your well runs dry. Oh, yeah. And he would always come up with those little catchphrases that would just stick in people's heads. Numerous artists uh, recorded that song. Another one of his classics was uh, Born Under a Bad Sign. And he told me the story that when uh, Albert King actually made it a hit, the great blues artist, William Bell stood next to him in the recording session and would whisper the words in his ear after each line so that Albert could remember the lines <laughs> and sing them. So again, you know, you talk about your behind-the-scenes player. Yeah. That's about as behind-the-scenes as you get. Well, William Bell just put out a new album called This Is Where I Live, and it's unique in his uh, discography because it's so autobiographical. It really talks about his upbringing, where he came from, where he is now. It has that nuance that only age can bring, experience can bring. It's a wonderful album. It was recorded with John Leventhal, the great uh, guitarist and producer. Uh, he has worked with Roseanne Cash, his wife, among many other artists, and he did a great job of fusing that stacks horn-inflected sound uh, with contemporary production on this record. And Bell took a stab at Born Under a Bad Sign at Leventhal's insistence. He says, what what am I going to do with that song? He says, do it your own way. Do it the way you feel it now. And they completely rearranged the song and did an incredible version of it. William Bell with his Born Under a Bad Sign on Sound Opinions. Born Under a Bad Sign been down to 
since I began to crawl Oh, if it wasn't for bad luck I wouldn't have no luck at all Hard luck and trouble My only friend Been on my own Since I was ten Born under a bad sign I've been down since I began to crawl Oh, if it wasn't for real bad luck I wouldn't have no luck at all Didn't learn how to write My whole life has been One big fight Born under a bad side I've been down since I began to crawl Oh, if it wasn't for real bad luck I wouldn't have no luck at all That is Born Under a Bad Sign, taking his song back from Albert King mm. and uh, doing his own interpretation of it, William Bell, from the album This Is Where I Live, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what do you got up first? I'm going to start out in Scotland, Greg, with the coolest duo uh, from Scotland, I think, since the early Jesus and Mary Chain. Started out with just the Reed Brothers. Now we have a guitar-drums duo consisting of guitarist-vocalist Stina Marie Claire Tweeddale, hmm. and how's that for a name? It's a mouthful. And Cat Myers. This is a band that is steeped in sort of fuzz, goth, moody, uh, witchy, Halloween kind of vibe. If anything summons midnight under a full moon on the bogs of Scotland, it is their music. I was unfamiliar with the group uh, when they made their debut a couple of years ago, 2014. This new album, though, is an improvement. I've since gone back and listened to the first. First is good. New Ooh. album is great. It's called Babes Never Die. What they did for this uh, album, what really elevated them to the next level, a whole lot of touring in the two years since the first recording with the likes of uh, Courtney Barnett, recent guest on Sound Opinion, Sleigh Bells, a favorite group of yours, and they worked with producer James Dring, who's worked with Gorillaz, Blur, Palm of Violets. He brought some of that 90s alt-rock crunch that we're hearing in a lot of bands today, female-fronted bands like Bully and Taco Cat. And I think that little bit of polished grunge really combines nicely with the fuzzy guitar and the pummeling drums and the wonderful sing-along anthems. And again, the moodiness, right? Just listen to some of these song titles. Walking at Midnight, Ready for the Magic, Justine, Misery Queen, and Sister Wolf. Can you think of a better playlist for Halloween? I love this band. Walking at Midnight by Honeyblood on Sound Opinions.
That is Honey Blood, Walking at Midnight, a really cool record, Babes Never Die. Greg, got another buried treasure? I sure do, Jim. A uh, young Chicago artist by the name of Aaron Allen Kane. She's actually originally from Detroit, steeped in gospel. Came up in the church, and you can hear it in her voice. She brings that fervor that uh, the great gospel singers had. Uh, She came up in a family that was very socially conscious, uh, heard a lot of great soul music, uh, fused it with the gospel, uh, has started a solo career that has won her a lot of attention around the country already. She appeared with Prince on that great protest song that Prince did last year in the wake of all the racial tension in Baltimore, titled simply Baltimore. Aaron Allen Kane was the uh, featured vocalist on that. She's been a collaborator with people like uh, Chance the Rapper and Donnie Trumpet here in Chicago. She was all over that surf album that we liked uh, last year. Now she's finally putting out her own music. Uh, Two EPs, one late last year and the second one earlier this year. They're both called Aviary, Act 1 and Act 2. I think the fact that she didn't create an album quite yet, she's still working up to that, has caused her not to get the attention she deserves. But you piece together the music on those two EPs, and Mm. you have got an incredible uh, sense of what this artist can be. I mean, uh, the the fusion of that gospel fervor that I was talking about with the social political content is pretty amazing, and it it comes to the forefront on this track that I'm going to play how many times, in which the word times becomes lives. She's fusing it to the Black Lives Matters movement in a very profound way. How many times from Aaron Allen Kane on Sound Opinions? How many times do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to tell you we go on and on and on fight? Oh, how many times go on and on and on fight? Oh, how many times? How many lives do we have to give? from the EP Aviary Act 2 from a Chicago artist, Aaron Allen Kane, one of my buried treasures. And uh, speaking of Chicago, let's uh, talk to one of our listeners, Peter from Chicago. He's got a buried treasure for us. Yes, hello. How are you today? Very good. We're very good. What have you got as a buried treasure for us? Um, I have got a record by an artist named PJ, PJ, and um, it's called Rare. It's on Atlantic. 
I would say it's an R&B record, but it kind of, for me, exists in a space where that's kind of on its own. It's not really a radio record. It's not really like a club record. Um, it's very singer-songwriter. It's got uh, the strings, the piano, the kind of things that you'd expect, the great melodies and harmonies, but it's also got a bit of that stubby bass, uh, big kick drums, a little bit of wobble, which is kind of a current sound, and I really like it. I'm downloading that right now. Wow, that's it. Now, now I like you know, that. Peter, there is a time when a record on Atlantic Records, one of the few remaining major labels, would, mm-hmm. would be hard to consider buried. But I, I completely escaped my attention, yeah. Greg, and you hadn't heard of it, right? No. How'd you I discover don't. it, Peter? I had Title open on my phone, the streaming service, and it was late at night. It was probably 11 o'clock at night, and I listened to music before I go to bed. So I was just kind of thumbing through what was new, and I liked the little JPEG of the art. I thought it looked cool. And um, I hit play, and honestly, within like the first minute, I just knew I was going to love this record. Very cool stuff. Thanks a lot, Peter. You're welcome. Jim, what's your next selection? Greg, I am going to France. You've had that experience. I've had that experience. There's no place better in the world than Paris. Sitting on the left bank of the Seine, in the shadow of the Louvre, across (laughs) the river, uh, with a baguette and a bottle of wine, all right? This record brings you there instantly, even if you've never had that experience I'm talking about the French synth-pop band La Femme, incredibly ambitious group with many members who seem to come and go, but there's a trio that lead the band keyboardist, guitarist, and a singer, Clemence Quelenic, okay? They sing in French. I am ignorant mm. of, of all other languages, especially <laughs> French and, uh, and sometimes even English, uh, so I have no idea what they're singing about. They're all kind of space-age bachelor pad effervescent pop giddiness, a a futuristic vision of music that's sort of based in the past in 1965, right? Mm. Sounds a lot like Stereolab, who often would sing in either Esperanto or French. It just reeks of Perno, which I love. Uh, it, it's it's a very European sound. Uh, it, it's, it's a very sexy sound. It's not the most original sound in the world, but this has instantly shot to like my top five records of the year so far. You hear a little craft work in there. You hear a little Roxy music. I can't stop thinking about Plastic Bertrand, mm. right? Uh, you know that 1977 single Coplan Pour Moi or whatever the <laughs> heck it is. Jet Boy, Jet Girl is what it became in English. This is music for Jet Boys, Jet Girls. It is Septembre from the band La Femme. The album is called Mystère on Sound Opinions. Le mois de septembre a commencé Un peu de spleen, c'est la fin de l'été Mais pourquoi mon ventre se serre à la rentrée Dans mes yeux me poussent des enjolets Comme chaque année je sens le stress Qui me prend et qui m'empêche 
I don't know where you got it, Greg, but somewhere you produced a beret. You're now wearing it. You get this. <laughs> that is the French band La Femme, September from Mystère on Sound Opinions. After break, we're going to be back and digging up some more buried treasures, and we'll hear some more picks from our listeners as well. Then later in the show, the weaponization of music. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. me down I couldn't change my point of view I got a lady in red at the back of my head but the woman in white is you do you want to be the only one fade away in the morning sun I could love you all of my life you were my wife We don't need it We don't stand on ceremony But life is phony in spite of it You can never be all you wanna be When you're searching for gold We don't need no buried treasure I still got you Still got you Still got you Still got you in my soul Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we're going through our buried treasures, records that we think haven't gotten nearly as much attention as they deserve. Now we're going to go to another caller about one of his choices for an underappreciated record. Mark, you're from Columbus, Ohio, and you've got a buried treasure for us. What's it going to be? I do. A band called Pine Grove out of Montclair, New Jersey, who put an album out called Cardinal back in February. I sort of got up to speed on it over the spring, and I really haven't been able to stop playing it. It's really, in my opinion, the best rock album I've heard all year. What now? Okay, great. So this is tough for yeah. listeners to stump both of us. Do you have any? I, I mean, I know I know where Montclair is. I had friends went <laughs> well, to Montclair State would. College, but I, I don't know. I don't know Pine Grove. Do you know Pine Grove? I do not. This is new for uh, me too. Yeah. So let me introduce you to them. I mean, they get sort of lazily classified in sort of that emo revival category, but. You know, they've got elements of sort of rootsy Americana bands. They've got elements of, like, the indie rock standbys of today and of the 90s. All of it's really delivered by the lead singer and vocalist and songwriter, Evan Stevens-Hall, who's just got a really distinguished delivery in his vocals. There's, like, a twang to it, but there's also a real emotion to it, so... Keep going over it, over and over My steps iterate my shame How come every outcome such come down Lately afternoon with the shades drawn down Kept saying I just wanted to see it Saying what's wrong with that Needle shaking outlines in a compass Every outcome such come So I don't do it this 
are your boyfriend at the Port Authority? Sort of both a place well, so I averted my stride on a quick one. It's coming back, we're going over your place, huh? Oh yeah, you got that twang going. It sounds like uh it would have been right in there with that alternative country scene in the early 90s. Yeah, I mean, you could find that thing on, like, being there or, um, you yeah. know, any of the early Uncle Tupelo stuff. Mark, have you seen them live? Are they a good group? No, I haven't yet. Um, actually, they're coming to Columbus in December, so I'll check that out. All right. Well, that's a good that you turned us on to something. We'll check it out more. Pine Grove, the album's called Cardinal. Thanks, Mark, for coming on Sound Opinions. Thank you guys for having me. As always, we're eager to hear more from you, the listener. What are some of the albums that uh, you think aren't getting their due? Give us your buried treasures at 888-859-1800 or write to us on Twitter or Facebook. Now let's get back to our list. Greg, you got another buried treasure? Yes, Jim, we mentioned this fact that sometimes the best buried treasures are not necessarily the newest artists, but artists that have been around for a while making great music and, and completely ignored because of it. One example of that is The Black Watch, a band out of California. They were reviewed very glowingly in one of our favorite music magazines, The Trouser Press, saying that they released an astonishing amount of great music, great critical acclaim, 13 albums plus numerous EPs since 1988, but have garnered a following the size of a kitchen sponge. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that they, they, they might have 12 fans in the United States, yeah, yeah. maybe. But uh, I, I think that's an exaggeration, of course, uh, but it is a great band. There's no doubt about it, and not enough people know about them. The linchpin in the band is John Andrew Frederick, out of Richmond, Virginia, but now California-based. He's a versatile guy, singer, songwriter, vocalist, but also a novelist, an artist, and an educator. Very accomplished man. The Black Watch is his main gig, though. They've been an ongoing concern since the late 80s, with a brief hiatus in the late 90s. Otherwise, they've been recording and touring steadily with a variety of lineups. Combination of a, sort of a singer-songwriter uh, vibe with a psychedelic rock and uh, a great combination of influences that he continues to play out in his latest record, Highs and Lows. I'm going to play a track called Pershing, Harvard Square, from the Black Watch on Sound Opinions. You know I've watched you.
Black Watch with the album Highs and Lows. That's a track called Pershing Harvard Square, one of my buried treasures on Sound Opinions. Jim, what's next for you? Greg, this is another uh, record that the first time I heard it instantly shot to like the top five of my top ten list for the year. It is a band who's actually one woman called Sneaks. The album is called Gymnastics. This is beyond minimalism. So I am tempted to give it a one-word review. Hmm. That word would be Brilliant. I feel like anything else is too much, but I got to tell you the story. This is 10 songs in 14 minutes. A young woman who is partly of Ethiopian descent in Washington, D.C., who is a true bedroom auteur. Fuzz bass, a very cheesy kind of retro 80s drum machine, and a wicked, wicked way with words. The lyrics, though, are beyond haiku. I'm going to play a song that has two words. Hmm. And those two words are just repeated for a minute and a half, right? Because few of the songs are longer than a minute and a half. Again, 10 songs, 14 minutes. But there's a sort of arch-feminist anger that's expressed with a lot of humor. There is a a sort of uh, probing self-examination, but with lyrics at the length of a tweet. Uh, All that's making it sound more self-important than it is because it's all very fun and and hooky, but minimal. The record came out uh, really indie underground late last year. It is now being reissued by Merge, which guarantees her uh, a much bigger audience I can't get enough of this because it's over in 14 minutes and then I'm just hitting repeat, repeat, repeat. This is the song, No Problem. Listen to the way those two words take on a different meaning every time she sings them. Sneaks on Sound Opinions. No problem. No problem. Problem. That is Sneaks with No Problem from the album Gymnastics on Sound Opinions. Greg, it's so short, I feel like I should get to play two or three. (laughs) You should. They're all that good. I love this record. Let's pick up with one more caller, Jim, before we go to our last Buried Treasures. Let's talk to Peter from Honolulu. Thanks for taking my call. So Buried Treasures, what's one for you? So my Buried Treasure is an EP called Free Spirit from a band called Fictionist. Fictionist has been making music for a while. They got signed to a label years ago after a Rolling Stone contest, but they didn't have a good experience with the label and were eventually dropped without releasing any music. But they're just forging ahead, trying to make music and gaining traction without a label. Where are they from, Peter? I actually um, met them in in college Mm. in Provo, Utah. There's a good band scene there. But they've been in L.A. and uh, Las Vegas, I think. So what are they doing? What are they? You know, what what's their heart and soul about? So the music video for the title track "Free Spirit" is pretty funny, and it it plays on their bad experience with the label and how the label tried to fit them into a box of what they thought would work instead of what the band wanted to do. I don't 
I really like this track. If you notice, the beginning kind of starts and stops, and then it kind of picks up and picks up, and then when you get to the, the chorus, it, uh, it just rockets forward, and that percussion just really moves it. It sounds very anthemic. It sounds like it would play well at a festival or something like that. It sounds very contemporary from that standpoint. Well, thanks, Peter, for being our guest on Sound Opinions. You're welcome. Greg, we're having way too much fun, but we've got one <laughs> more buried treasure each. Your last one, what is it? Well, this uh, final artist that I want to play as a buried treasure is probably better known as an actress than she is as a multi-instrumentalist and singer, although that's all wrong, but nothing wrong with her acting career. And it's a very cool acting career, I might add. She starred in uh, that Jim Jarmusch movie, Stranger Than Paradise, as a mm. teenager. But perhaps best known for a very important role that she played in in a season of Louis C.K.'s Louis. You know, she was the Hungarian-speaking oh, yeah. uh, neighbor. But meanwhile, Esther's been slowly putting out records over the years. She's only eked out about three over a long career. There's been acting in there, and she writes terrific songs. She is a classically trained violinist. She's a fine vocalist. And you can hear all of those qualities on the song I'm going to play next. Trouble You Don't See from Esther Balance's latest album, Airless Midnight, on Sound Opinions. Hey, trouble, what's your plan? Looking for me, here I am. Joy of my dreams, take mine. Meet me tonight at half past ten. A shower of diamonds, the power of indifference. The latest heart risk, my suitcase packed. The trouble with you, joy of my dreams. Esther Ballant with Trouble You Don't See on Sound Opinions. Jim, what's your final choice for a buried treasure? All right, Greg. As you know, I have been a fan lately of, of a genre that I didn't even know existed called Vaporwave. Apparently, that soundtrack music that I was louding a few weeks ago for Stranger Things is part of a whole genre that's happening underground. 
Part of it is synthesizers from that era in the early 80s when, you know, the old analog technology was first yielding to early digital machines. And part of it is stuff that I'm not very fond of, which is shopping mall music and video game soundtracks for the early, like, Mario games, okay? But this is an artist I discovered who is in this genre who is phenomenal. Born in upstate New York, Ryan D. Robertus initially began recording as St. Pepsi, releasing a whole bunch of bedroom electronica albums in 2012 and 2013. I'm not exaggerating when I say a whole bunch. Nine albums in mm, two wow. years, all right? Then he signs last year to Car Park Records and uh, changes his moniker. He is now Skylar Spence. And he puts out his first, what I think is his first real album, Prom King. I want you to think of every character that Anthony Michael Hall ever played in a John Hughes movie. Huh. You know, the guy who thinks he's really hot stuff but is sort of pathetic, all right? That's the character Skylar Spence plays. You know, I, I think a, a touchstone for Sound Opinions listeners might be Passion Pit. We've had Michael Angelakos on the show. But he's a much more sophisticated singer, songwriter, and producer, whereas Skylar Spence, Ryan D. Robertus, is working in his bedroom <laughs> with the cheesiest machines possible. But he has a sense of humor about it. He's got a way with hooks. He's got undeniable grooves. I really love this album. It came out last year, but you probably haven't heard it, and you should go discover it. The best of Vaporwave. Prom King is the album. I'm going to play a track called Can't You See? Skylar Spence on Sound Opinions. You See by Skylar Spence. The album's called Prom King. Well worth your time. It's the sort of record I can see you dancing around the living room <laughs> to this, Greg. Yes, Jim, I am going to be dancing to that tonight, so bring your cell phone so you can get some video. Barry Treasures is over, but if you've got an album that you think is flying underneath the mainstream radar, by all means, give us a call. Let us know what it is. 888-859-1800. Coming up after a short break, the sinister side of music. We talk with the New Yorker's Alex Ross about when music is violence. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Hey, hey. 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. My partner is Jim DeRogatis. So this hour, we've been talking about music that we love. But music can also play a different, more sinister role. It can be used as a weapon. Alex Ross, music critic for The New Yorker, wrote about this in an article called When Music is Violence. Alex, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Let's start by talking about the example in your piece of Panamanian dictator Manuel Noriega and how music was used during his ouster. Yeah, well, in 1989, when Noriega was removed from power by uh, an American invasion of Panama, he holed up in the uh, papal nunciatura uh, in Panama City. And so the question became how to eject him. And the different accounts about exactly what went down, but essentially, at first, music was being blasted outside of the compound to prevent journalists from listening in uh, on uh, conversations between uh, the military and and people inside the uh, compound. And then someone in the psychological operations uh, division had the idea of using the music to drive Noriega crazy and (laughs) and force him to leave. Uh, And so there was... uh, It was done through the the Armed Forces radio station and requests were called in and and all these songs were played... uh, Alice Cooper's uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Clean. Led Zeppelin in my time of dying. You know, the titles with, with a kind of, uh, you know, double entendre to them. And then it was stopped. President Bush and Colin Powell looked dimly on this tactic and, and thought it was uh, irritating and, and counterproductive. It doesn't seem as though it actually had the desired effect. Uh, Noriega, who was trained in psycholo- uh, psychological operations by the Americans uh, decades earlier, uh, seems to have slept through uh, all, all the noise. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, I, you know, any listener of Sound Opinions would have uh, enjoyed that playlist, I think. <laughs> now, the example of Noriega, that was certainly not the first time music was used as a weapon. How long has this practice been around? Well, of course, it goes back millennia, you know, trumpets at the walls of Jericho, uh, Scottish bagpipes, you know, instruments being used uh, in all different places and times uh, to terrify the enemy, to rouse the troops, so on and so forth. But I think in the 20th century, there's a particular history that kicks in when technology is allied with sort of increasing sophistication, if you want to use that word, uh, of thinking about psychological weaponry. Uh, and so it's it seems to be in the Second World War when these forces start to coincide and, and you really start seeing music used as something like a torture device or as an instrument of, of warfare in, in a particularly refined way. You know, there are scattered instances of the Nazis uh, using music to torture people. But it was also something that sort of caught on in the popular imagination. This is where the the history gets interesting. There's a scene in Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondent in 1940 where uh, Nazi spies are playing a swing record over and over Mm. again uh, to uh, deprive someone of sleep and pry information out of him. (laughs) 
very attractive nest, I know, in the musical little Volker, but it serves its purpose. Yes. And then in the 1950s and 60s, during the Cold War, training for troops or intelligent operatives who you know, might be captured included you know, being barraged by music. It was something you were supposed to you know, train yourself to withstand. In fact, really, no one was using music in that way in, the, in that period or, or very yeah. scattered instances. But you know, again, it just it seemed like you know, the kind of thing that would be done. Well, and there's one sentence uh, in your piece that, that, that plays exactly to that, that, that fear uh, uh, or what might have captured the imagination. It's just a brilliant sentence that I'd never thought about. The fact that ears have no lids <laughs> explains why reactions to undesirable sounds can be so extreme, right? I mean, we can put our fingers in our ears, right? But, you know, we can close our eyes and avoid looking at something. But but we, we, I can't shut out uh, Enya when I'm stuck in a dentist's office. Exactly. This is why it's so powerful. Uh, and this is why there's something kind of darkly brilliant about using music in this way to disturb people, to torture them, to uh, demoralize them, so on and so forth. And that, that phrase actually comes from this uh, French writer, Pascal Quignard, who kind of inspired my whole piece uh, with this strange and hypnotic book, uh, The Hatred of Music. Uh, and so he talks about sound's invasive powers. You know, sound is a physical phenomenon. It, it literally gets under our skin and, you know, we, we just can't escape it. And, and being trapped with it over extended periods, it, it, it has that power to disturb, uh, to just make us flip out. Most famously for Americans, uh, you know, we found out about the torture methods used at a place like Guantanamo, where Christina Aguilera was being used to torture detainees. How has that evolved over the decades? I don't think that much systematic thought has has gone into you know at least this uh, recent uh, american uh, attempt to to use music as torture i mean there's there's really no evidence that it was ever effective you know as with uh, so much of the the torture program uh, you know people might have tried to choose uh, a song with a certain message in the lyrics or to, you know, uh, offend uh, a Muslim person with a certain, you know, content of the song. But, you know, in all likelihood, they either couldn't understand lyrics or <laughs> just weren't in the state of mind to mm -hmm. be, to be you know, processing and, and contemplating what the song was saying. It was just, you know, more, I can imagine it was just more noise, uh, something else to be endured. Uh, so, you know, a lot of this was from the ground up. Uh, people haven't been able to find a lot of sort of higher level theorizing about, you know, music uh, as a torture device. It just seems to have been, you know, spontaneously done. And the music was chosen by the troops. Uh, and, and a lot of the times it was just the same songs that they were listening, you know, for their own benefit to uh, psych themselves up uh, or to, you know, unwind after battle. You know, you see a lot of the same uh, songs on the, on the playlists in, in either case. I love the 7-Eleven anecdote in your story. Uh, tell us about that. Yes. Well, this is something that I've been noticing for years, these stories about classical music being used as a kind of youth 
cleansing device in convenience <laughs> stores, in you know, public spaces, malls, so on and so forth. The idea being that classical music is so terminally uncool that any self-respecting teenager hanging about would, would be forced to leave. Uh, you know, as someone who grew up with classical music, I, I find this idea you know, disturbing and, and upsetting, uh, and yet it <laughs> yeah. seems to work. But you know, also, it, it does fit this pattern. You know, this is, this is you know, the same period where you find you know, this, this tactic of music being blasted at Noriega and then at the, the siege of the Branch Davidian compound in Waco a little later. Uh, so it, it, it does fit this, this larger pattern of music plus technology plus a kind of social agenda uh, and, you know, in some cases, a, a military agenda, uh, you know, all kind of uh, intersecting. Well, there was also the Tipper Gore hearings, which tried to, you know, create a causal effect for music. You know, music is influencing the behavior of our young right. people in a bad way. And, you know, you later on you have the Bush administration arguing that techniques, you know, inducing psychological rather than physical pain, well, that's not really torture. So you have this sort of ongoing debate about what, what is music really do to a person. I mean, you don't really, you know, uh, come down on one side or the other in your piece, but you certainly raise the question that it's certainly possible that music could influence behavior, it seems to me. Yeah, and absolutely any kind of music uh, can be used to, you know, very sinister ends. You know, I think in classical music, we really learned this during the Nazi period. We, we saw Hitler embracing Wagner's operas and and subsuming them uh, into his ideology in a way that, that Wagner has never been able to escape. Anything can be twisted around. I think there is nothing intrinsic uh, in music on either side of the spectrum, from good to evil. Uh, it's it's always about context. It's always about you know the way music is being deployed. Do you, do you really think so, Alex? Though I mean, if we go to some Stockhausen, if we go to some Zappa, if we go to Metal Machine Music mm -hmm. by Lou Reed. <laughs> It seems like those artists set out to say, uh, I, I want to hurt my listener. Sometimes, <laughs> on occasion. Sometimes, yes. Um, but sometimes, you know, I, I happen to find some of Stockhausen's music incredibly beautiful. And, and you know, oh, sure. I mean, you know, there are... I can listen to metal machine music. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on, on, on the person. You know, these, I mentioned the piece, these studies of music therapy uh, and the idea that music such as Enya... Which might be considered intrinsically soothing has been shown to be, you know, not as effective in terms of helping people to recover from trauma, to you know, withstand pain as whatever their favorite music is, even if it is, you know, ear-splitting right. right. death metal. People will emerge soothed and, and calmed through their favorite music. And the flip side of that, of course, is, you know, if you if you blast the music that someone absolutely hates, you know. Uh, that, they will become yes. agitated. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm really trying to get at is this idealization 
of music, which is really something that takes hold in the 19th century with, with romantic philosophy and I think is still very much with us in, in, in how uh, people embrace uh, popular music. Uh, and that, that idealization can always be dangerous or, or it just, you know, we, we always need to admit that the music we love the most can be turned around. Anything can be turned around uh, and deployed in, in some horrifying way, you know, because we are the human species and, you know, what we produce <laughs> can either, you know, enlighten or, or destroy. Uh, and, and just sort of, the, you know, so, so music, we can't sort of cordon off music and, and make it this sort of absolutely sacred space. It's part of society. Uh, it's part of culture. And we often can't control uh, its effect. Alex Ross is a music critic for The New Yorker magazine I can't live without. Thanks for being on Sound Opinions, Alex. Thanks, Jim and Greg. Thanks for inviting me. As I walk through this wicked world Searching for light in the darkness of insanity Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have a uh, record label owner and a multi-million selling artist by the name of Herb Alpert. Oh, wow. Herb is a legend, Greg. I'm looking forward to that. Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banaszak, Evan Chong, and Alex On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. This is Mitch Harris from Rogers Park, Chicago. Enjoyed the show on fall songs. I can't think of fall and not think of September Girls, G-U-R-L-S, by Alex Chilton on the Radio City album from Big Star. a gorgeous song that has that chiming guitar and those tough but sad lyrics sung in a sort of flippant, oh well way that, you know, young love and teenagers seem to have, but deep down knowing that there is an inevitable end to everything and that recognition. Just a, a beautiful song. It always reminds me of fall. Thanks for the wonderful show. Hi, my name is Janet. I'm calling from Oakland, California, and I was listening to your end of summer broadcast the other day, and it occurred to me that there were several what I feel are very obvious choices that had been overlooked. One is Green Days, Wake Me Up When September Ends. Summer has come and passed, the innocent can never last, wake me up. When September ends. One of the reasons when I first heard that, one of the reasons I 
really enjoyed that song was that it was the first song I had ever heard that understood California end of summer means the rains come in September. And then, of course, when you listen to it a little more closely, it's a really melancholy song. Here comes the rain again, falling from the stars. Thank you. Love your show. Bye-bye. Hi, Sound Opinions people. This is Lawrence. I'm calling from Edmonton, Canada, and I was just listening to the End of Summer edition of Sound Opinions, and one song popped in my head, and it's a really great kind of sad, um, but a great sadness type song. It's by a Canadian artist named Hoxley Workman, and it's a song called Autumn's Here. You can tell by the wind by fresh cut wood I'll stack to dry That autumn's here It makes you sad About the crummy Summer we had With pine That definitely signifies the end of summer And uh, nostalgic and sad and fearful And it's just a great song Give it a listen, I hope you like it Thanks Martin in Seattle. Loved your last show. It sounded like you maybe haven't heard the origin story on Sugar Mountain. According to Joni Mitchell, anyway, apparently Sugar Mountain was a underage club in Winnipeg that Neil Young used to like to hang out at, and he got bummed out that he was over the hill and too old to get to hang out there anymore. Thanks. Love your show. Sugar Mountain With the barkers And the colored balloons You can't be 20 On Sugar Mountain Though you're thinking That you're leaving there too soon You're leaving there too soon No more messages To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.